The information provided on this podcast is not legal advice and is intended for the sole purpose of providing education and legal information. Laws change over time, and the information provided on this podcast may not be up to date. We make no warranty, express or implied, regarding the information provided by our team or our guests on this podcast. The information should not be construed as legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with us or any of our guests on the podcast. If you would like to consult with an attorney, please call 1-800-VICTIMS. That's 1-800-842-8467 for attorney referral contact information. This podcast provides a platform for the exchange of ideas and information to help educate crime victims on their rights. Some content will include topics and materials that may involve descriptions of violence or assaults, which can be distressing to victims and survivors. It may also impact service providers experiencing vicarious trauma. Podcasting from the Victims of Crime Resource Center, this is Season 2 of Knowledge is Power, Victim to Survivor, a podcast series where we help crime victims understand their rights so they can go from victims to survivors. On this episode, we'll discuss the services provided by the Crime Victims Assistance Network with Chris Ward. Welcome in, everyone. It's me once again, your humble host, Nemo Malavi, with the Victims of Crime Resource Center. And today, it's my pleasure to welcome Chris Ward, the Executive Director of ICANN. That's the Crime Victims Assistance Network. Chris, thank you so much for taking your time and coming on the podcast here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, Chris, I'd like to start our interview uh, by by asking you about ICANN. Could you maybe tell our audience a little bit about ICANN, um, the organization's history, its goals, its mission? The history of ICANN. ICANN was um, born out of the idea that we wanted to provide a service to victims of violent crime where they didn't have to worry about whether or not they had reported to the police um, that where it doesn't matter whether the crime happened 20 years ago or 20 seconds ago, that base, that was all inclusive, mm-hmm. that um, we could assist all victims of violent crime. And we were seeing some, um, some areas where victims were having barriers to accessing services. And so ICAM was created to try to break down those barriers and get services to all victims who have been traumatized by violent crime, um, whether it is that we bring the services into their community or, mm-hmm. or we provide information about what is available to them in their community. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make sure that this was provided um, completely free of charge mm-hmm. so that they're really with the only issue being the barriers that we're working on breaking down that they really didn't have to worry about anything else just um just getting the assistance that they needed mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like you didn't you don't want um finances to be one of those barriers that you mentioned right not not finances and also um some victims especially those from um cultural communities where it is normal for them to have some uh, distrust of law enforcement Mm. that we wanted to um, be someplace where they could come first Mm -hmm. um, and maybe help to make it a little less scary if law enforcement was an area that they wanted to go to they just didn't know how to do it or they were afraid to do it so um that's why I said at the beginning, you, it doesn't matter whether or not you reported the crime. Um, and again, it doesn't matter 
when it happened either, because as we know, trauma hangs on. So um, for many people, it may have been um, a long, long time since the crime, but it is still being um, very, very apparent in their lives. And um, and we just want to make life a little easier. Okay. Okay. Um, so can you maybe elaborate a little bit on the kinds of programs and services that um, crime victims can receive from ICANN? Sure. Um, we are a comprehensive victim service program. We provide services, everything from crisis intervention to information and referral services to counseling, therapy, we have a specialized program where we assist victims through the parole hearing process. All of our services are free of charge and we offer them in both English and Spanish. Do you charge for any of your services or is there a fee involved? No, like I just said, they are absolutely free of charge. Um, we, the, when we created ICANN, one of the, one of the principles that was really important to us was that we truly believe that victims have been victimized enough and the last thing they need to do is try to figure out how to pay for additional services Mm -hmm. so we wanted them to know coming to our agency that they don't even have to think about that there is no fee and we will never ask for um any monitor monetary um any yeah, of payment, if you right. take... <laughs> yeah no Sorry. i understand yeah there, there, there's no form of payment all your services are free of charge right that is exactly correct perfect perfect and uh what about like maybe geographical limitations to your programs are, are, are there any sort of limitations geography wise or any other eligibility requirements actually there aren't um mm-hmm. the only eligibility requirement is that you are a victim of violent crime mm-hmm. um our, and as far as geographically, our very first client was in Maryland, oh, wow. um, calling for advocacy for assistance with getting um, money that she was due through the victim compensation fund back there. Mm-hmm. So we we ideally will refer back to the individual's county mm-hmm. and try to connect um, with them, the services in their area, mm-hmm. but we can help, um, anyone anywhere and, and no, we don't have, um, any geographical limitations. Okay. That's good to know. And, um, so if our audience wants to reach out and, and connect with, with ICANN, what's the best way to do that? By picking up the phone and calling us mm-hmm. or emailing us. And, um, our telephone number is 916 916- Two seven three three six zero three, or you can email getinfo at ican-foundation.org. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. And and, and so, Chris, how, how do clients generally find your agency? Do they um, is it sort of a word of mouth referral? Do you have an online presence? Um, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So um, oftentimes we'll hear that we were found in a Google search. Mm-hmm. Um, we work with many district attorney's offices throughout the state of California, so they'll refer up to us. Um, and other clients who have used us in the past mm-hmm. um, will refer for people that they have run into mm-hmm. um, that they feel could benefit from our services as well. 
Um, so, so I want to switch gears a little bit and talk to you about some of the, the programs and services, and maybe get into some of the details. Um, so you mentioned that uh, so ICANN can assist with preparing uh, victims for, for court hearings. Um, so I just wanted to get into a little bit, like sort of what kind of court hearings, and then maybe if you could tell me a little bit about those services and how that works. Okay, so this is really an area that is not our area of expertise. Um, this is where we refer back to victim witness programs throughout the state because this is where they really excel. Um, and I, we can assist victims with putting together impact statements, mm -hmm. but outside of that, we will refer back to the district attorney's office. And if there was any challenge getting connected to who they needed to speak to there, we can help make that happen. All right. Um, so can you maybe elaborate a little bit on, on sort of what the victim experiences when, when they attend some of these court hearings? So there are varying types of um, court hearings every everywhere, anything from um, the arraignment up into mm -hmm. trial. And it's very stressful mm -hmm. and scary to be in the same room with with your perpetrator, sure. which is where um, the victim witness advocates are so necessary and so important in this process. And um, we love that we have collaborative working arrangements with many of them throughout the state and can help um, help connect victims so that you know they're not going through this alone. Mm -hmm. And so I also understand that um, I can offer services relating to uh, parole hearings. Is that correct? That is correct. And that is absolutely one of our areas of expertise. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Um, we have a stand we have a, um, a, a dedicated program to assisting victims through the parole hearing process. And we help victims everywhere and from beginning to end getting registered with the Department of Corrections Victim Services if they hadn't already been, making sure that they are receiving their notices of um, parole hearings coming up. Again, that goes back to making sure that they have that 1707 on file, very important. We will um, assist them with writing their statements. Mm -hmm. We will accompany them to court, or, I'm sorry, to the parole hearing. Mm -hmm. We will um, go for them if it is too stressful for them and read their statements. Mm -hmm. And we're there primarily to be support for the victims, but we are also there making sure that their rights are upheld. Mm. Okay. Now, post-hearing, um, mm -hmm. if it is a denial of parole, then we have a master file that we watch, and when it's time for the next hearing to come up, it flags in our system. We'll give them a call to make sure that they've received their, their notice from the Department of Corrections, and then the whole process goes over again. If it's a grant of parole, then we assist them, if they're interested, in writing letters to the governor and helping to get their message to the governor um, if they, whichever way they're feeling, whether they are supportive of this um, grant or if they're opposing the grant, making sure that their voice is heard in the process. That makes sense. I want to just kind of go back to what you mentioned before. You, you talked about a, a 1707 uh, be needing to be on file. Could you tell us maybe a little bit more about what that is? 
Absolutely. The 1707 form is actually a really important mm -hmm. um, document that the Department of Corrections uses in order to obtain information on victims, victims next of kin, additional family members and witnesses so that they can be in the Department of Corrections database and so if an inmate dies, if an inmate is going to be released, or if they're um, eligible for parole hearings, the Department of Corrections or um, the Board of Parole Hearings has their information so that the victims can be contacted and notified of these events. Without that information, the departments cannot notify them. Mm. Okay, so the 1707 is sort of the the... Um, it sort of allows the Department of Corrections to stay in touch with the victim. Exactly. Okay, so, so the victim, even though their, their name and information is on the uh, initial sort of charging document and the initial conviction, they're not automatically informed of, these, um, of, the, of the process. Is that right? That's right, because that information doesn't go up to the Department of Corrections. So it's up to the victim to provide that information to the department so that they know that that this individual would like to be notified of any of the things that I had mentioned earlier. I see. And so the 1707 form, is that something that victims can go online and find and, and they would just simply submit that to the department? Is, is that, that, is, okay. that is correct. They can either go online and print it out or they can file it online. There's an, there is an option to do that online. And they would want to go to cdcr.ca.gov at that website, there will be a link to victim services, and that's where they'll find the 1707 form. Okay, and um, so how do your services, how do, how do they differ from what the um, CDCR, the California Department of Corrections and Re Rehabilitation, um, how do your services differ from their Office of uh, Victim and Survivor Rights? Good question. So um, the Department of or the Department of Corrections Office of Victim and Right Victim <laughs> and Survivor yeah, Rights yeah. and Services. I never, the name is wonderful, but it's long, and I always I get it. Uh, a, um, a lot of letters in that acronym. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, first of all, they're a government agency. We are not. We're, we are a private nonprofit. Um, they are embedded in the system, so they have the, the knowledge um, about when hearings are coming up, mm -hmm. where they can find where inmates are. They can um, give, give victims more information about what's happening um, with, that, with their particular inmate than we could. That's mm. the Department of Corrections Victim Services job. They also will get um, victims uh, signed up if they want to attend a parole hearing, making sure that they are on the list. Right now, everything's being done virtually, so making sure that they have the, the Skype link to be able to participate in the hearing, making sure that they're eligible to participate in the hearing, um, and giving them information about what um, to expect. Mm -hmm. The other thing that the Department of Corrections does is they um, are responsible for collecting restitution and paying restitution mm -hmm. out from okay. inmates that are serving time in the Department of Corrections. So that's a really big thing that they do. Mm -hmm. um, so they are constantly fi you know, finding victims and making sure that they're getting the restitution that was ordered through the courts mm -hmm. from the uh, from the um, what the prisoner, what the inmate mm -hmm. is paying. 
Mm -hmm. um, to the apartment. So we're different because, well, first of all, we don't do any of what I just said, Mm -hmm. except for um, preparing victims for parole hearings. Mm -hmm. So um, we're more, um, again, Mm community-based. We can, when we're, uh, we go to the hearings with victims, we prepare them for the hearings. After the hearings, we can, you know, uh, provide the support and guidance to writing to the governor. And these are things that the Department of Corrections uh, Victim Services does not do. And so, as I said earlier in our conversation, mm-hmm. this was, um, this is a need that we saw. So we're able to fill this gap in services and um, complement the phenomenal services that Department of Corrections Office of Victim and Survivor Rights and Services are already providing, mm-hmm. um, and just be able to to build off that. Well, well, I think that makes sense. I, I kind of want to get into uh, what this experience is like for the the crime victim. I mean, you mentioned that parole hearings is something that uh, I can sort of specializes in. Can you maybe take us into the experience of the victim and talk a little about what that parole hearing process is like? So I, before I started observing parole hearings, I had never seen, obviously never quite understood mm-hmm. what actually went into them and, and how much stress mm-hmm. and anxiety and trauma these hearings can bring up for mm-hmm. victims. Um, this week alone, I think I've, um, every day this week, I've been, I've spoken to multiple victims who are preparing for hearings or, um, have recently had hearings. Mm -hmm. It is, um, about nine, let me just walk you through about Mm -hmm. 90 days before the hearing, a victim will get their letter saying that a parole hearing is coming up Mm -hmm. at that point in time. Um, most victims, will start feeling anxious and uh, that's when we start getting our calls oh my gosh another parole hearing it it takes a lot of strength a lot of tenacity a lot of um, energy to get to these parole hearings and to be able to sit through several hours of questions back and forth between commissioners Mm -hmm. and the inmate waiting for their turn to speak their piece Mm -hmm. and knowing that quite frankly everything they have to say is really important in that hearing and it absolutely is taken into consideration Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that that inmate won't be you know getting a grant of parole that day and Mm -hmm. there isn't one victim i've worked with who isn't terrified that that's going to be the end result. Mm. So our, um, the days are long. Mm -hmm. They have to, except for now that we are doing everything virtually. Um, normally we'll travel to prisons anywhere throughout the state of California. Some victims are flying in from other, um, states. Some come from other countries to, because it's that important that their voice is heard, they need to tell those commissioners and they need that inmate to hear what this individual did mm-hmm. to their lives, how the devastation, the destruction, and the pain has affected them mm-hmm. every day. Um, so it's, um, it's probably, if not one of the most important things that they do 
in in their life as far as honoring their loved one and i'm and saying those words i i they're coming from i'm hearing them in the back of my head i was speaking to somebody this week who that's exactly what she said this is one of the most important things that i do in my life to honor my daughter to make sure that this individual can stay incarcerated as long as possible and those commissioners know how this has affected our lives so it's an opportunity for the crime victim to not only talk to the commissioner but but it sounds like it's also an opportunity for the the victim to address the offender as well the offender gets to hear they don't get to address the offender directly but the offender sits there in the room and will hear every single thing that that victim has to say Okay. And, and in your experience, do you find that the um, commissioners will, um, th- that the, the victim's statements and their participation in the process has an, has an impact on the commissioner's decision? It has, it has an impact. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are cer- there are certain criteria commissioners have to follow, but um, I, have, I have seen information that was brought up in a victim's statement cause commissioners to go back and look further in a file and find information that was contrary to what the inmate was saying. Mm -hmm. And the end result was that inmate was going to get a grant of parole, but because the victim brought something up Mm -hmm. that they wanted to go and check, he was uh, denied parole that day. Um, The victims being in the hearing room, victims making these statements, it is, absolutely impactful on everybody in that room um it makes a huge huge difference sure no i can imagine it makes a difference on the process and it's likely probably very empowering for the victim as well to sort of um say their piece or Mm -hmm. sort of participate in the process is that is that your experience as well absolutely okay um so i do want to switch gears here chris and talk a little about the emotional support piece of what i can offers to um, to crime victims. Can you tell me more about the sort of counseling and, and therapy services that you offer? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. Sure. Um, we offer, like you said, counseling and therapy services, again, mm-hmm. free of charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and victims who come to our program for these services, it is, um, it's unlimited. Mm-hmm. So we've had individuals come and have a a few counseling sessions and then I'm thinking of one in particular moved out of um, the county mm-hmm. and two years later moved back into the county mm-hmm. and said this happened now can I come back oh. absolutely the doors are open you can you you know if she mm-hmm. needed counseling she gets more counseling um, of course it's all related to um, being a victim of crime sure. so um, it's not just for you know general right. general issues right. But um, they are, um, what about good people doing this work? Mm -hmm. And I've seen some amazing transformations in the individuals who have come through our doors um, and received counseling and um, been able to make some real significant changes and improvements in their lives as far as how they're being able to um, incorporate what has happened to them into their lives Mm -hmm. um and and not be not have it overshadow them and be that dark cloud over them 
No, that, I mean, I think that makes sense. Uh, now, now the counseling and the therapy, is this, is this group counseling? Is this one-on-one therapy? Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the details? Sure. So um, we do usually one-on-one counseling mm-hmm. and therapy. However, our program is mobile, and our counselor and our therapist have gone out to other social service programs and started groups on other sites. So there are certain programs um, and, and certain individuals who may have uh, barriers to accessing services. One of those barriers may be transportation. Mm-hmm. So um, our counselor and therapist it, as a team go out and do these groups. Um, and uh, a couple of locations here in Sacramento, they've been doing these groups for um, a couple years now. Mm-hmm. So it just, they find where our services would benefit others. Um, and again, that comes with collaboration with mm-hmm. other organizations and making sure that we can provide our community members who have been victimized with as much support as possible. Okay. No, I, th- I think that makes sense. Can you talk about the qualifications of the, the counselors and the therapy personnel? Yes, because not it's not just anybody right, <laughs> does right. this. So our counselor has about thirty-five years' experience in providing support for uh, to trauma survivors. She works off a peer counseling um, basis, and so she is not um, not a licensed therapist, but an options counselor. Um, uh, who has gone through several hours of training, including the um, the required training, um, the 40-hour peer counseling training mm-hmm. that is required through the state, but even so much more. Um, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and our therapist mm-hmm. is a licensed um, marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. And so she comes to us with, again, years of experience working with trauma survivors mm-hmm. um, and she is also bilingual so oh, when we have individuals who come in that are, English is not their primary language or mm-hmm. they don't speak English at all mm-hmm. um, she is able to work with them in their native language which for many people especially when you're in trauma if English isn't your primary language it's a lot easier to 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 speak in your native tongue and be able to uh, communicate that way it, it's um, it's more comfortable for many. Oh, absolutely. No, I can I can certainly understand that. Um, so so now when I hear uh, sort of counseling versus therapy, I, I sort of think that they're related, but but I don't actually maybe understand the difference. Could you talk about what a victim can um, expect mm-hmm. when they go into maybe a counseling session and, and then contrast that to therapy? Or absolutely. Talk to a yeah. Absolutely. So um, in our program, uh, receiving counseling is, like I said earlier, more options-based. So um, a counselor will talk to an individual about their feelings, let that individual talk to them about, um, you know, whatever it is that's bothering them. And, mm-hmm. and it's more based on, well, therapy too is the same way, but more based mm-hmm. on, on listening. Mm-hmm. Um, the counselor then provides tools um, and support on how to address certain issues that they're experiencing in mm-hmm. their life. It's, it is in the now, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They don't go back into, you know, childhood mm-hmm. or, or get to, you know, what's the core, what brought you here, mm-hmm. but more in the moment mm-hmm. and um, talking through, trying to find um, solutions. And again, I'll use the word tools mm-hmm. on how to to deal with what the crisis is now, what, it, what the trauma is now mm-hmm. um, versus therapy, where therapy is one, uh, done by a, um, ideally a licensed Mm -hmm. (laughs) individual who has the formal, um, training, but also, um, it goes deeper. Mm -hmm. So with therapy, they are going to go a little bit deeper into what are the, what is causing this? What is, let's go back, you know, further, um, into, you know, where this all started um, and try to get at the root of the problem. So it's more in depth, um, and it's it. I wouldn't say it's any any easier because talking about your feelings and talking about what has happened to you many times is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're two different approaches, um, and one is more and one is peer based, mm-hmm. and the other is um, clinical based. Got it. And when you say peer-based versus clinical-based, could you just maybe tell the audience sort of the differences between those two? Of course. So peer-based is like talking to your to a peer, mm, um, okay. just somebody who has more information, more knowledge, and maybe more experience, um, uh, and can provide you tools on how to how to handle certain situations. And right. and the clinical aspect is that you've gone through you know years of training in in school um and learned and then of course sat for um for licensure licensure no i think that makes sense thank you for describing um sort of the the differences there um how frequently do you offer these services are these regularly offered so uh yes every day monday well monday through monday through friday Mm -hmm. Um, however, for our parole hearing support program, oftentimes we work over weekends, mm. um, especially if somebody is preparing, you know, for a hearing, they're going to want to talk, um, as much as they can mm-hmm. work on their statement. And, and so sometimes that rolls into weekends. So, mm-hmm. um, most of the advocates at ICANN are pretty flexible with our time. So if someone needs us. At, at any given time, usually we can we can find a way to make ourselves available. Okay, no, thank you for that information. And um, so you've over the last thirty minutes, you've really expanded on sort of your services and and, and how you offer them to the community. Now with um, you know the the COVID nineteen pandemic, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about maybe how your services and programs have been impacted by that. Well, to start with, <laughs> it has impacted our ability to um, provide services uh, in person. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the most devastating in that, you know, this is a real personal um, uh, issue that we deal with. And being able to sit down with somebody and and see them face to face is is important. Um, but we've incorporated tools mm-hmm. um, such as Skype, such as the telephone, mm-hmm. um, and we're doing the best that we can with that as we, you know, move through this. The other thing that, um, the other way we've been impacted is that our um, requests for services have increased significantly, more than I could 
ever imagine. So our um, our little tiny agency, which was busy to begin with, mm-hmm. is um, is is just going uh, just helping like crazy. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that yeah. way. So um, the requests come in regularly. We're happy that we can help, mm-hmm. um, but we we are noticing that um, trauma plus isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, adds to anxiety and a need to, 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 for more help through, you know, certain, certain instances. So we are, um, we're helping a lot more. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, now what about the, uh, the way that the parole hearings, now I, I would imagine those are not done in person at the moment. Are those done through, through Zoom or Skype or some other um, yeah, they're done via video. Okay. So everyone's participating in, in um, by video. And I will say that although the victims that we've worked with are participating this way, it is not the way that they would prefer to be addressing mm-hmm. the board mm-hmm. or addressing, um, like you said, the inmate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very impersonal, mm-hmm. and it's it makes it a bit more complicated to get um, to get the message across. Mm-hmm. And so victims are feeling a lot more pressure on um, making sure that they they get everything said that they need to. Mm-hmm. because when you're in a room with somebody, you can you can feel you know energy, you can read body language, you can um, it's much more personal yeah. and taking that piece away, is is definitely we're definitely seeing a difference there that's interesting yeah that's that's not something i would have um you know immediately thought of as as being a a challenge um do you find that um do you find that there are there any other methods to perhaps um allow the victim to get their message across either by maybe writing a letter and submitting that or is that just sort of how things are going to be until the, the pandemic ends well, victims have always been allowed to write a letter and submit oh. it. However, it, that is even more impersonal. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that when it when it comes to participating in the parole hearing process, and, and video has always been an option also, and so has uh, calling in. But there are some victims prefer you know, different ways of participating. But for those victim survivors that we work with, most of them want to be there in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it's, you know, we, I've, um, I attend the monthly meetings for the parole board. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of times I've just reminded them how detached we are through video and that certain comments that they may make in front of people in a room where we're all sitting together and we can all read each other's body language, maybe taking taken one way, Mm -hmm. but where over video it's taken a completely different way. So, um, language matters, words matter. And to me, you know, it's really important that we're all really careful on Mm -hmm. how we are presenting, but it, like I said, it's just been, um, it's been quite a challenge Mm -hmm. for all of us. Now that you've heard the show, please take a moment to rate and review it. And if you have any questions about any of the information you heard today, you can reach the Victims of Crime Resource Center at 1-800-842-8467. Or you can reach us online at 1-800-VICTIMS.org or Facebook.
at Victims of Crime Resource Center or Twitter at 1-800-VICTIMS. If you haven't had a chance, please take a look at some of the other episodes in our series. Thanks for listening.